been to this show and don't know anything about a cup of joe and don't know anything about the human solution. And um, so let me let me uh, bring you all up to speed. So this is a podcast called A Cup of Joe, and I happen to be a Joe. Um, I'm a bit of a freedom fighter, and uh, I'm also the CEO of a little nonprofit, actually a medium-sized nonprofit, that uh, is dedicated to uh, creating a world where people don't get locked up for a plant anymore. We're a civil rights 501c3 federally recognized nonprofit, have been for, I think we're going into our fifth year now. We've been an organization for 10 years, or into our 10th year right now, and we advocate for cannabis uh, defendants, um, prisoners, and people who have been negatively affected by the war on drugs as our primary call. But we're a civil rights group, and we have uh, broadened our mission to include uh, disabled rights and veterans' rights and Native American rights um, at this point. Um, you know, I'm hoping one day that we have finished the job with cannabis and we've ended the prohibition and we can actually, you know, get on to some other things. Um, so this show is a podcast, which means it's not a broadcast, which means if you're picking it up, you're either listening on your phone, which means you picked up the phone and you dialed 646-929-2495. Um, and if you want to share your thoughts, your ideas, I welcome you to call in and join the show. One of the reasons that I think this show is valuable is because of the participation of of folks. And um, we have um, literally people from all over the country that listen and call in, in other parts of the world as well. Um, it's shown as a live stream on Facebook, and as much as anybody knows, I'm not a fan of Facebook or social media. It is there. <laughs> and um, it's also being live streamed right now on YouTube. And it is um, today being streamed on my Joe Grumbine channel. Um, I'm not that bright when it comes to uh, technical things sometimes. So I uh, haven't figured out yet how to sync everything up to where it'll be posting from the Human Solution page, but we're we're getting there. Um, I'm about to post the YouTube stream onto my Facebook page, so um, so you can listen on Blog Talk Radio straight off of the site, and I know that that link has been shared around social media. You can watch it and or listen on uh, Facebook, and you can also watch and listen on YouTube. So right now we've got a few folks up on YouTube, and I want to say hey to everybody, and I'm glad you found it. Uh, Last week we changed things up a little bit. I did a live show from Philadelphia on Tuesday, and we did a rerun on Wednesday. So um, if you're following along, we'll give you where to go and what to do, and if you're not, uh, hopefully enough people will be sharing the information around and making it easy, uh, easy to find. So what do we do? You know, I keep getting this question, well, what do you guys do? What do you do? 
And I think that's a it's a big question, and for a lot of people that have been part of the organization, it it can seem to be a hard answer because we do so many things or we have done so many things. But really, if you can boil it down, we advocate, um, we educate, and we support. Um, those are the three primary things that we do, and we do it with purpose. And our purpose is not to pass some legalization bill or some medical bill. Um, our purpose is liberty and freedom. And these are things that are fundamental to, in my opinion, um, our, our hope, our hope as a race. You know, it's a funny thing that if you've never tasted freedom, you probably don't cherish it. But if you have tasted it, you probably don't want to give it up. And, you know, we live in a world where historically people have oppressed each other ruthlessly in every way they could since time began. And people have enslaved each other and they have swindled each other and they have taken advantage of each other and they have raped each other and stolen from each other and, and all of these things in every possible way you could imagine. And and in ways you couldn't imagine. And in really the most recent of history, we've we've decided uh, in some small part, in some small places, that it doesn't have to be that way. And that we're all the same, fundamentally. At our core, remove the skin and the, and the, the wrappings and the trappings and, you know, boil it down to a spirit and, and and a heart, and I don't know that you'd be able to tell the difference. So you probably could. Some are probably different different colors, but, you know, as far as brightness and, and vibrational whatever. But at the end of the day, um, we all have the potential to be the same, and there isn't anything that should inhibit that, and especially not with uh, our basic fundamental rights, our basic civil liberties, our basic human rights. Um, and those rights get encroached on and infringed on by our own governments ruthlessly, and I think, you know, that's a conversation that maybe we should start having more of. You know, why aren't we doing something about that? But we'll we'll talk about it more. Um, this has been a traditionally a two-hour show, and... Um, I recently had an incident that kind of knocked a little, hopefully some sense into me, but a little wake-up call, and um, I, I conked my head pretty hard, and uh, I got a taste of a moment of what the hell, what would happen if uh, if everything did, got dramatically different. You know, I think we live in a world of comfort for the most part, even if it doesn't seem like it. So much so that we don't really think about survival, really, uh, unless something dramatic happens. Somebody gets a serious illness or an injury, or somebody gets arrested, or, uh, or um, oh, it was my concrete step. <laughs> it wasn't a person. <laughs> and I don't know who got the better of each other. I think I might have cracked it. Anyways, at the end of the day, um, when you have one of those moments, a wake-up call, if you will, you realize 
most of us spend a lot of time with things that are maybe not as important as they could and should be. We waste a lot of time. Um, and I think that life is too short for that. And so I want to give an opportunity for this show to be two hours, but I'm going to give it one hour. And if it rises up and is more than that, we'll give it a place to be that. Um, so we're going to start that next week. We're going to probably do two hours this week. We'll see how we're how we're doing. As always, there's a lot to talk about, though. And uh, I want to talk about our purpose. You know, we advocate, we educate, we support. We have a goal of ending prohibition. But, but what are we doing? You know, what are we doing? I have a team of people I've been working with for 10 years, and I've watched that team ebb and flow and come and go, and people people come in and they're all hot and heavy, and usually it's right after something happened to them or somehow they're personally affected. Um, but what I found is that generally we're the problem. You know, we're also the solution, but generally we're our biggest problem. People get upset at the silliest things. They find every reason to uh, lose their interest, lose their focus, lose their uh, drive, uh, lose their creativity, find reasons to not participate. We are the stereotypical stoner more often than not. You know, when was the last time one of us got out there and just, Nailed it, you know. I don't know how many people I work with, and they're like, "Oh, forgot, oh, misspelled, oh, you know, for whatever reason." And we, you know, we're so kind and gracious to each other. We don't hold ourselves any higher than that. We don't give ourselves um, the credit for being better than that. And I'm in no way implying that cannabis makes you that way. I'm saying that we fit our own stereotype more than I wish we did. You know, we do court support as a primary function of our existence. And I have recently found some cases where the attorneys, even though they knew us and they knew what we were capable of, didn't want court support because some of the people engaged and involved were potential problems. And that was uh, kind of a heartbreak to me. I was like, really? You know, I thought we were better than that. But it only takes one negative thing to screw up the whole deal. I use the sandcastle analogy all the time. And I think it's a really good one. You can spend all day, all week, all month building a beautiful, ornate, intricate sandcastle with every little detail. And it could be anything. It could be huge. It could be it could be this amazing work of art, and doofus can walk through and step on it, and it's all gone. And that's how we are. That's how it is with with um, our ego and our anger and our laziness and all of these combinations of things that keep us from accomplishing our goals. So I want to get back to basics a little bit. Um, they talk about history and how 
uh, you know, we're destined to repeat history. I don't know that that's true. I think we evolve through our history. We hopefully grow past it. But there's elements of history that maybe we could and should repeat. I've been studying some historical figures lately, and you know, I've gone through and talked about a few of them. I'm, I'm reading a biography of uh, Nelson Mandela right now, and I'm not all the way through it. I don't know all of his whole story yet, but um, you know, he, he's an influential figure, one of the you know key figures in in modern freedom fighting. And one thing I noticed about his story thus far, and I'm about halfway through it, I think, is that he wasn't out there trying to be a rock star. He wasn't out there trying to, you know, network and hubbub and, and, and get a big name for things. He he just did what he knew was right, and he worked. He worked vigilantly and diligently, and, and, and he overcame obstacles constantly. And he took risks, took huge risks. And, in fact, at... at at this point in the civil rights era, especially, well, not especially there, but in all different places, it was commonplace for the people that were fighting for their freedom to push it to where they would get exposed, to where their cases would be told widespread to bring attention to them. They would go out of their way to get jailed and locked up and, and fight a case. They did it on purpose, and they did it with pride, and they did it with uh, with, with focus and intent. Um, and nowadays, everybody takes a plea deal, anything to avoid taking a stand. And I wonder about that and where that's going to take us. Another thing I noticed about him was he went and got training. He was went through the military at one point to a, to a purpose and, and was trained. Um, and... He operated with purpose and with 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 a training, and he was battle tested. You know, he went through hardship after hardship, and he he was resilient, and he kept coming back and coming back. I don't know how many times I hear people constantly, and they have something happen and they can't make it. Something happened. Oh, I was this, I was that, whatever. Somebody died, somebody got sick, somebody got hurt, somebody whatever, and or this thing happened and I, I can't participate anymore. And nowadays it's it's kind of the commonplace, and I just can't help but think, what if we were just to suck it up and keep going? What if we were to stay the course even if we didn't like that guy sitting next to us? What if we were to actually get out there and start practicing and training and make a plan and executing it? Because that's what we do when we're successful. That's what our enemies do constantly, and they're successful. I don't know. I just keep thinking maybe we could focus a little bit and learn. So I got this wake-up call, and it told me maybe I should reel it back a little bit and get a little more focused and spend a little bit more attention. So I want to do this. I don't really think that most people that participate in this show understand what we're trying to accomplish, and I want to maybe paint a picture to see what that looks like. You know, we talk about legalize it, and we talk about baby steps, and we talk about doing what we can. And I think to myself, where does that take us? It takes us to yet more work. But who's talking about the end game? What would that look like? So I want to do a little guided 
meditation or visualization, and it won't take too long, but I think it's important. So to everybody who's listening right now, if you if you would join me, um, take a minute, take a couple of deep breaths, and close your eyes. And we all have a place that we can think about that makes us feel safe. I think fear is a big enemy, and I think if we could get past that fear, maybe we could think clearer and think better. So um, here's Craig. Well, Craig's calling from federal prison, so we're going we're gonna to bypass that for a minute, but I will get back to it before the show's over. Craig Cecil is calling from Terre Haute, Indiana, where he's currently serving a life sentence for pot in federal prison today in Indiana. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Joe. Hello from a federal correctional institution in Terre Haute, Indiana. Well, I... uh, I, I, um, been talking about you a lot lately. I uh, I met a couple of guys yesterday who uh, were looking to do some business and were, were proposing some kind of a business venture, and both of them had done federal time. Um, one of them was for cannabis and one of them was for another drug, but um, uh, one had done 10 years and one had done 12 years, and they knew of a bunch of our sort of, you know, more known cannabis prisoners um you know a lot of guys that get into the federal uh system get moved around a bit and so you know it's uh uh you get an experience in that sort of unique uh uh environment and they hadn't heard of you so i told your story and they appreciated it in a way that a lot of people couldn't because both of them had got caught up in conspiracy cases and they know, you know, what that's all about. So, um, you know, that we're we're doing what we can on a regular basis to bring attention to the fact that this job's not done. And even though we're passing laws right and left, that unless we finish the job, um, we're not done. And last Tuesday, I was up in uh, Philadelphia, and I was working with George Martorano, who, as you know, did 32 years on a life sentence. And um, we were talking about, we did a special edition of the show, and I, I didn't have the ability to let you know because it happened kind of fast. It would have been nice to have you call. But um, anyways, we were talking about the need for, um, even if we passed a federal law, that, that scheduling of it, we would have to pass a, a we would have to pass a law that would give a mechanism for all the prisoners to be able to get out, even though uh, you have a change of circumstances. It doesn't necessarily mean that somebody who's locked up for these crimes that are no longer crimes just automatically get released. And I don't think people realize that. No, what, what a lot of people don't realize, even prisoners here, is if uh, the feds uh, you know, he's catchalized marijuana altogether tomorrow, so they're completely out of regulating marijuana. That wouldn't affect my sentence at all. Exactly. Just like when they, uh, when they passed the, I forgot what amendment it was, but undoing the prohibition, uh, nobody got out of prison. Everybody still remained in prison that had, that had been already sentenced. 
What it did do, though, is stop the... This call is from a federal prison. It terminated the prosecutions of people that had not yet been sentenced. But for everybody in prison, they remained. But now in Michigan a few years ago, they changed their life sentences for uh, drug laws. And although it couldn't reach retroactively to people already, the uh, governor of Michigan commuted a, a good deal of those sentences. So, I mean, that that is a, you know, potential in the fact that if they de- uh, schedule uh, marijuana next week, I think that would be a good incentive for President Trump to commute a whole lot of marijuana sentences. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There are mechanisms to let these people out, to let everybody out, but it doesn't necessarily have to happen that way. And I think that, um, you know, without us putting the pressure on these elected officials uh, all the way through, you know, we're having uh, some some sentence reform and we've, we've made some progress, but unfortunately, you know, unless it's done, um, it just keeps going. And... In my opinion, if we leave anybody left behind, we leave a place for more people to 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 sit next to them, regardless of what the state of the law is. They always seem to have a way around it when they want to. And uh, it usually has so many ifs and buts in it. For instance, the California law. Now, of course, they, they uh, market recreational marijuana in California, and your one law in California actually allows people to expunge some uh, old marijuana convictions. But not, you know, the bulk of them. A lot of the distribution offenses and all that, uh, your laws don't provide for them to, uh, you know, to get expunged off of their records. So, well, you know, what's it... the, the punishment of those, you know, as, you know, having a felony. What's interesting, too, is that in a lot of ways, it's a Trojan horse because people assume that because some things get expunged, you know, you hear about it on the newspaper, in the in the news sometimes about, oh, uh, this governor is going to expunge all these records. But what they don't tell you, and I think this is really important, I, I, I bring it up often, um, generally what they expunge are simple possession charges. You know, people don't realize how many people have picked up uh, simple possession, misdemeanors, and felonies um, over the, you know, the last 50, 60 years. And it's it's a low-hanging fruit. It's easy to say, yeah, we're, we're expunging all these pot cases. But what they don't tell you is that when they really want to go after somebody, they don't go after them for simple possession. They go after them with intent to sell, sales, transportation, manufacturing, all these other things that they can hit you with. And generally speaking, those are not included in these legalization members or, or uh, uh, these legalization efforts. They don't generally, uh, are, they're not generally all-encompassing. So when they say, oh, it's now legal, they don't, what they don't mean is that anything you want to do is legal. They mean that very certain specific limited things are legal. And that's it. And I don't think people realize it. A lot of people don't realize it doesn't take much to be guilty of a distribution offense. A distribution offense just means that you transferred it either from or to another person. So, for instance, if you smoke a joint and hand it to a buddy, uh, 
to hit off of the joint, you've just distributed with no one of that. Exactly. And some of the charges are actually based on something that simple. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and the conspiracy charges are the worst. I, I can remember uh, hearing testimony, I think it was in Noah Kleinman's trial, but it was, there was a, or I heard it while I was at that trial from somebody, and there was a situation where there was a, a, a confidential informant that was trying to build a case, and um, he went to this guy and said, hey, I want you to get me some drugs, and he says, well, I can't get you any drugs, and then he says, well, if you, if if something changes, will you will you let me know? And it was something so simple as like agreeing to possibly maybe do something for him. And they 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 that was the essence of their case. And it was you know it, it was a foundless case. But on conspiracy, you have hearsay evidence as admissible, and you have you know it's a mind crime. It's a it's 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 an intent to do something, <laughs> and it's ridiculous. Yes, yes. Conspiracy is, a, is a, as you say, it's a, um, it's an agreement between two or more people that a crime uh, is is to be committed. So if you and I agree that, boy, that guy sure needs the, you know, the crud kicked out of him, we're actually guilty of conspiring to assault somebody. Exactly. Even though, you know. We didn't carry it out. Even, you know, it, it, it's a terrible, you know, uh, in application, it's a terrible law. Well, and, you know, it, it just sets up things like your scenario where a, a, a so-called crime that had no victim ends up with a guy serving a life term, which, you know, if, if you were to present that to any rational-minded person, um you would think that they would say, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense, because, frankly, it doesn't. Um, but here it is, you know. Uh, it, you're, you're many years into a sentence, and, um, you know, you've tried, as George has done and as so many people have done, um, you haven't just sat idly behind and said, well, okay, I guess I'm stuck here. You're, you're exploring every possible option, and anytime something changes in the political landscape, you're, you're out there. Uh, you know, we've been behind you from, from since we met, and yet, you know, for all intents and purposes, if nothing changes today, nothing's going to change. And sadly, that they're going to consider in a few weeks whether El Chapo ought to get the same sentence as me. Yeah, go go figure that one out. I know, I know that was that was another one that really got me. Well, he's probably going to get another set, another trial because they're 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 possibly going to disqualify the jury because of stuff that happened. I don't know if it's going to go down or not, but they've been talking about it. But yeah, this guy who's responsible for literally thousands of of, of murders and and horrors in every way you could imagine, tortures and every every possible victimful crime and they've got him dead to rights and now they're considering <laughs> considering a life sentence. It's unbelievable. And look at it, man, well Noriega got a twenty year sentence. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I mean the one good thing I I do like though is that there's more and more of a public awareness of marijuana. Um just today, um uh, 
Craig Cecil is currently serving a life sentence in federal prison for pot. And uh, first-time offender and no, no, no victim. He's accused of fixing trucks that were used to smuggle cannabis, and yet he's serving a life sentence. And, um, you know, he mentioned Dee Dee's name. Dee Dee Kirkwood is uh, a longtime member and, and uh, just a lion heart of an advocate. And, you know, I've always talked about the power of one, and Dee Dee kind of exemplifies that because she's kind of, as much as, you know, she's very supportive of the human solution and she's died in the wool, but she's been on her own mission to champion some of these prisoners and really just not just raising money, not just talking and not just going out on stages, but she's actually digging in behind the scenes and getting the work done. And I've never seen, uh, well, I have seen examples, but Didi is, is an example of the power of one, you know, how one person can make such a difference. And I'm just, you know, proud that, that we're part of her efforts and she's part of ours. Um, all right, so... We're burning up time, and um, i got a couple of guests on the line right now. And we have our uh, featured guest, Elazar David Melendez, and uh, he's waiting online. But we also have uh, Steve Rayleigh, and uh, I told him he could talk. And he's got a case, a federal case, but it's not a criminal case. He's filing a suit against the federal government. And um, for a long time we had uh, Mike Harris, who filed a civil suit against the city of Fontana. <clears throat> and we watched that case uh, go along, and, and he prevailed. And even though um, they decided not to uh, appeal it, so it's not going to get some case law made, um, he changed the landscape, the political landscape in the city of Fontana, so that they cannot ban somebody from growing plants and he created a template through this case for other people in other cities to do a similar thing. So, um, so many times in court, when we talk about court support, we're talking about a criminal case or a family law case where somebody's lost their child, um, and people are fighting for their own freedom. But every once in a while, we take it to them, and... I think that we should have overwhelming support when we do that. I think that's a time when we should be flooding the courtrooms. And I talked about before, we're our own worst enemy. You know, we're stereotypical stoners. We're, 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 and we're not all that way, and we're not all that way all the time. But my question is, why aren't the courtrooms flooded with people? And nobody has an answer for me, not anybody. We're all too busy. We're all busy doing something or another. There's always a reason. There's lots of reasons. There's reasons and excuses from here to kingdom come. But the truth is, if we were flooding the courtrooms and flooding the news agencies and flooding the streets every time there was a cannabis case, we would make change. It's just that simple. We don't need to pass a law to make that change. You pass the law after you've made the change to reflect that change. We could do that. So let's see what Steve has to say, and uh, we'll go on from there. Hi, Joe. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you and your dog. Good. I I have seven puppies running around the house and barking, so it's 
it's going to be a challenge. I hope I can distract him. Uh, but anyway, I'd just like to explain a little bit about my case. Uh, the next court date is March 6th in Reading at the U.S. District Court there on Bishelli Lane. The case, I'm, I'm suing most of the top officials of Tehama County up here, which, which is notorious for abusing people's rights and uh, being brazen about it. You know, they, they don't even hide the fact that they just do whatever they want and, and they can get away with it. Totally unaccountable for their actions. So anyway, I lived... Oh, my God. Hold on a second. Hold on. Understand English. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. The okay. puppies were were rioting, but anyway, I've quite. Okay, so uh, I live. Someone has had a protest. Yeah. Uh, can you still hear sure. me? Yes, I do. Okay. Do, I do still hear you. I lived for eight years and eight months in Rancho Tehama, uh First of all, which. Uh, recently was the scene of those uh, or that mass uh, shooting, and it that as well as my case is the result of just total negligence and uh, 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 maliciousness by the Atama uh, County good old boys and girls. So anyway. Um, it's it's a very long, long, a complicated story, but I had some bad neighbors out there who uh, conspired to have me framed uh, two or three times. The last time was over a, a medical marijuana abatement, and I was singled out of my neighbor grows, all of them in the open. You know, I mean, this was not... Some of them had fences, but, I mean, you could see over the fences or through, you know. There's... So, anyway, I was singled out for abatement in 2014. I was the only one in the whole neighborhood of over 100 homes, you know, at least 30 grows. Um, some of them big, you know. Uh, and so then... I got to watch everybody else finish their grows and harvest that year, and uh, I couldn't do anything. I had tenants, too, who were also growing and on a relatively small scale. You know, this was nothing big. But anyway, we were singled out. My tenants were not cited. I was the only one abated, or my name was the only one on the uh, abatement notice. So uh, I decided to ask for a hearing to try to get a variance. Uh, I was in the country. My grow was surrounded by fields, and there was no reason why I couldn't grow, you know, except that this county uh, has tried to de facto ban outdoor growing and make indoor growing 
so expensive that it's prohibitive, you know. So anyway, uh, I even called the county once or twice and said, hey, look, there's a lot of other goes. Why aren't you abating anyone else? They knew full well, you know, they had photographs from the air. They had uh, code enforcement officers driving around. They knew damn well what was going on, you know, but they didn't care. They just wanted to get me that year, see, because of the previous problems that I'd had being framed twice by the neighbors and then fighting both of those, uh, blowing the whistle, writing newspaper articles, you know, I generally uh, uh, giving back as good or better than I got, you know, really honestly, in the end. And uh, so they, oh, at the hearing before the Board of Supervisors, uh, who were totally unreasonable and inflexible, and they actually sent somebody out four days before the hearing to photograph my property just to uh, see if I had complied. Uh, I got the earliest hearing date that I could, but we didn't want to pull all our plants out because we'd put so much work into it. You know, this was early May, and... The tenants, for example, had hauled in soil and everything else. And, you know, I mean, this was a – and, I mean, I didn't want to just, you know, pull everything out if we could get a variance. So the board fined me at the hearing. They, they refused my variance and fined me $2,000 retroactively, $500 a day, uh, for not having – abated before the hearing. So I was fined $2,000 basically for requesting a hearing. And uh, so fortunately at the hearing, I was bewildered. I didn't know what was going on, but there was Donna Will there, who is an activist up here, who sort of took me under her wing and told me what was going on and all the other people who were being completely uh, 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 messed with, you know, complete, I mean, excessive fines, brutal treatment, everything, just horror stories, one after another, beyond belief, you know, they, they will, they'll come onto your property without a search warrant, they'll cut down all your plants, You've heard these stories probably, too. So anyway, uh, I fought the fine. They tried to get it up to $7,000 by waiting 13 days to come out to uh, check that I had complied. And I abated the same day as the hearing to make sure there were no more problems. But So they tried uh, with... I'll use the phrase, an evil eye and an uneven hand to to rack the fine up to $7,000. So I fought that tooth and nail and finally got them, you know, threatening lawsuits and, you know, all sorts of things. Finally got them to go back down to $2,000. And so they gave me... 90 days to pay or file a writ of mandate, which I had no idea what that was uh, when I got it. And 
I found out it's a lawsuit in court. They didn't specify which court. And through some friends, notably Curtis Keaton and his mother, Jeanette Pringle, who at one point uh, uh, founded the Reading chapter of the Human Solution before it dissolved. But anyway, he he was very knowledgeable, and she was too. And they helped me put together a basic writ, you know, based on one that she had used in one of her cases, which had been written by a lawyer. They, oh, so I'm suing pro se, which means representing myself, which is terrifying, believe me. Uh, and so uh, the fee waiver uh, took three years, over three years, to to be approved. It was finally approved last January. So then we had to serve the defendants. There were 13 defendants, the Board of Supervisors, the Sheriff, the uh, County Council, you know, all the uh, big wigs. And um, we finally got that done with difficulty and much uh, trial and error. But So we did that. When you're suing pro se, the rules are more flexible. And uh, so, so anyway, uh, it we got the first court date was June 6th of last year. We went to court. It seemed favorable. The judge seemed to think I had a case. I had two friends there with me, Jason Brown of uh, Brown versus County of Tehama. If you know that case, it was a landmark case. The first case to uh, give local governments the right to restrict uh, medical marijuana grows and cause absolute devastation throughout the state. Uh, the local officials took that to mean they could do whatever they want. And so they started, you know, just going wild, completely going wild. And discriminating uh we did a, a spreadsheet of all the medical marijuana citations for 2014 and 15 in this county it, it turned out that over 50 percent were of hispanic and asians and almost 50 percent were in rancho tehama see because they hate rancho tehama so you can see what's going on this is, Steve, can I get you to kind of hit this in bullet points? We're we're gobbling up a bunch of time, and I I know you have a, a compelling yeah, yeah, I'm story. getting to it. I'm getting to it. So try to, to drive it home. So anyway, the first judge said in court he thought we had a case. Then three months later, he dismissed all the uh, four claims that he saw, which were equal treatment, due process, excessive fines, and state law. So I appealed that, and the district judge reviewed the case and gave me the right to amend uh, two of the claims, excessive fines and state law. Uh, but somebody told me that I could amend all of them, which I did. So I wrote a 17- or 18-page amended writ and sent that in. Uh, the defendants, the county, that is to say, have their own taxpayer-funded law firm. So 
you know, it's David versus Goliath here, you know. Um, so they very uh, diligently and very lawyerly opposed that. And so I opposed their uh, their document. And so we have the court date next week in Reading. So I'm trying to get some sincere people, some some true believers for a court support for this case. I just wanted to very briefly explain what it was all about, you know, and give people some background so they understand where all this is coming from. But so that's about it. I mean, I, uh, uh, you know, I'd like to hear from anybody who, who would like to come. Uh, maybe we can make it into a, um, over the last, almost 10 years, over the last seven years for sure, we have supported more people from Sacramento to the Oregon border than probably anywhere else in the country. And we've supported dozens of people. I've personally been up up there uh, for numerous cases and numerous events. And um, I would like to sort of, I know there's been a lot of crazy actions and bad blood and egos and problems of every kind, but I'd like to maybe petition all the folks up there, anybody north of Fresno, for God's sake. Um, And I I understand we have some support. Our Central California chapter is committing to come out there and be up there. So, um, you know, if we can can have our folks from, from Central California come up, certainly some of the people that we've dedicated so much time and energy supporting can be well, there. Yeah. This is a win-win situation, folks. This is a situation where we're taking it to them instead of exactly. us fighting for our own yeah. freedom. So I'm going to personally um, encourage and, and uh, advocate that anybody who's possibly able to um, participate in that. And I know that you've talked to Becca. We're going to get your date on the calendar, but we're running out of time. And I was, I was talking earlier you know, we're our own worst enemy. We always wait to the last second to get this stuff out there. But we do what we can, and we'll do the best we can to get the word out there. And, Steve, why don't you do this? Take the last um, minute of this conversation to let everybody know how can they get a hold of you if they're interested in helping. Okay. My phone number is 530-576-3072. My email is... Is my name Stephen Rayleigh, spelled S T E P H E N R A L E Y, 41, that's 41 at gmail.com. So to repeat, 530-576-3072, Stephen Rayleigh, 41 at gmail.com, spelled S T E P H E N R A L E Y, 41 at gmail. Okay. Excellent. Uh, Appreciate you calling, and um, no matter what, please call back and let us know how this happens, what happens with it, and um, feel free to, uh, you know, share this call to action on any of the Human Solution pages or my public figure page. Um, you know, you you have the the full weight of the Human Solution International to support you. We do support you, and I encourage anybody who is either a member or. Um, just supports this action to please come on out there. There's nothing 
like sitting in court. If you've never done it before, um, it's a life-changing experience. Court is not what you think, generally speaking, unless you've sat in there plenty of times. So, um, right. Well, this probably this probably won't take more than two hours. You know, that was about what it took the last time. So. It's not like it's all day long, you know, this will be fairly quick. But this this could be a very important case, civil rights case, which could uh, hopefully put the local authorities on notice that they are accountable for their actions, you know, and they're not above the law. You know, like for their attorneys are saying they have official immunity, for anything they do. So that just gives you some idea of what we're up against. It's just, it's, it's not a level playing field. You know, they have a whole law firm defending them, and I'm representing myself with help from friends, but, you know, can't even get a lawyer. The lawyers have been just, just appallingly dishonest and greedy and terrible to work with, and that's our main problem, I think, is that we can't get these guys to give their time to help the people out. They just want money, 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 and lots of it. For example, the Mike Harris versus City of Fontana case was won by the ACLU, and they got a bill for $250,000. No, I case. totally so, understand, and, and yeah. uh, I got I to get moving on. I've got, I've got to right. adjust. I've got to get to but I appreciate right. Thanks your... again, Joe. Thanks again. And thank you, every, everybody. Your support is much appreciated. You got it. Let, let us know how it goes, and, and if you can, folks, get on out there. All right, up next we have uh, Elazar David Melendez. And, um, you know, what we're getting more and more is people finally deciding to step into the political arena and as much as I'm not a big fan of the political swamp that we have allowed to exist um, it's a reality and um, we live in this world where it seems that everything is about political gain and power grabbing and maintaining power and, and the real issues have in my opinion, kind of faded away into nothing. And, and um, you know, I've watched time and again how uh, eager, good-hearted people have stepped into the political arena and either gotten beat back into submission, uh, taken out, uh, assaulted through media campaigns or worse, um, or just drank the Kool-Aid and, and, and turned into them. Um, we need to get people to stand up, and we just need to keep coming forward. There's so many of us and so few of them, and yet they keep dominating our world and kicking our asses, and we keep allowing it. And we don't do anything about it. We just sit there and say, oh, we complain. That's what we do. We complain. We're a nation of bitches. and. What? It's the truth. We just sit there and bitch. You know, what do we do? What do we actually do about it? Well, Elazar's decided to do something about it, and he's running for city commissioner in Miami, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what's going on in Miami, and uh, let's, uh, 
let's see what's going on. So I thank you for being so patient with us, Elazar. And uh, you come highly recommended. Now, and uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing great. Thanks for that awesome intro um, and for having me on the show. And you're absolutely right with what you said. It is, unfortunately, a swamp at every level. Someone in my campaign had a really interesting analogy the other day saying that uh, we're really going to run a grassroots campaign, but that the grass that we're heading into is uh, six-foot-tall sawgrass with crocodiles in it, so that's that's pretty much like what we're looking at. <laughs> um, and and it's, uh, it's tough, but the bottom line is if we don't have people that – have a mind on their shoulders and a head on their shoulders and a mind on their head and um, no right from wrong, then we're just going to keep getting represented by the same crooks and liars, basically. So but someone's got to do it. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm someone that um, has a, a history of just kind of jumping into the fire, going where, where things are needed. So I, I figured let's take this crazy adventure and see where we go. Well, I think that's great, and I, I want to expound on that a little bit. I think one of the things that happens is people are uh, afraid to take the first step, but oftentimes they'll take the second step or they'll follow somebody who's taken it. So as much as, you know, I absolutely applaud your actions and I support you 100% of, of, of jumping into that, I, I'm guilty of the same thing. I, you know, pioneers are pioneers. But one of the things that happens is when – you do that, you make it that much easier for the next person to come in and take that chance. When they see that you did it and it worked out okay for you, um, a lot of times uh, that second one to come behind you is, is even easier. And there's so many elected positions that need to be filled by better people. And so I think that, you know, I'm watching our organization rise up and we're, we're engaging um, leadership and we're, um, you know, coming forward as, as, as experts and people willing to teach and people willing to uh, put our support behind um, the good people doing good work. And uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to this? Uh, your bio is, is pretty impressive, and I know you were working with uh, Bobby over in Puerto Rico with the hurricane work. and. Uh, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history and what, sure. what brought you to this? Absolutely. So this is uh, about the fifth career I've started in 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 a few years that is, since I've since I've been doing a few things. I used to work um, as a well. My, my first job actually was in Wall Street. I graduated college right in the middle of the worst of the recession in 2008. And thank God had a job, period, you know, had something that I could do that could pay the bills, could pay my college to, uh, college loans and, and help my family back home in Puerto Rico. Um, so I, I, I took a job in Wall Street right out of college, and it was pretty interesting because I wasn't expecting to do that, honestly. Um, and one time I was in there, I, I, was, I was doing this so, so I would be employed, but I saw a lot of the abuses that went on there. Um with just especially on around the foreclosure crisis with these banks and all these all these uh developments were exposed later in terms of how everyone was robo signing foreclosures and the courts were becoming kind of foreclosure mills and also on and so forth 
I saw that. You know, I saw that working in Wall Street, and I saw some of that stuff happening behind closed doors. Um, and after a few years, it's basically when I could afford to and when I didn't have college loans to pay off uh, as much and when I felt that it was the right time, I went off and I became a reporter. I became a journalist, and I wrote about about finance, right? I became, I, I started writing about what I knew and wrote a lot about these, these issues that I had seen, worked in a few places, worked in the the Huffington Post for a little bit, uh, wrote some freelance stuff for the for various financial publications, including the Wall Street Journal in New York. Did that for a while um, and then came down to Miami. Actually, I came down here because I, I, I got bit by the journalism bug and I wanted to be a, become a foreign correspondent, go travel to Colombia, Argentina, Mexico, write about some of the stuff that was going on there. I actually stuck it out here because it's 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 kind of incredible how Miami is really an island off the coast of South America, right? You don't really have to go further to be basically 100% in-depth into Latin American culture. I figured this was the best option, um, and I've been involved here in kind of a mix mash of journalism, activism, politics, and so on and so forth, where I, I I went from being a journalist to being an activist on a lot of the issues that are important here, including sea level rise issues, worked for elected officials um, in both their official side, helping them write policy and, and, and with their campaigns, you know, helping them communicate a message about what the important things are. And basically just did that for a few years, um, most notably last cycle, you know, coming up here on 2018, I was working for um, various campaigns on the Democratic side of the ticket, including Senator Bill Nelson, who unfortunately lost by a very, very small margin. And again, just kept going on, on a bunch of different things in terms of doing journalism, activism, and politics. And then November of last year happened. Uh, we had some some uh you know a lot of the people I was working with didn't win so I was a little bummed out and I figured what am I going to do now and what should I jump on next um and there were options you know I could have jumped on one of the 18 or 20 million presidential campaigns that seemed to be popping up on the democratic <laughs> side of the ledger I could have <laughs> I could have uh worked on a constitutional initiative right there 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 seems there's going to be a, a constitutional initiative this year, I'm sorry, on the 2020 cycle in Florida for a living wage, so I could have worked that. But I also looked out my window. I looked out of the, the place where I had been working uh, the campaign as the home base, talking to people, seeing the conditions of the neighborhood, and I said, no, nah, change begins at home. Change begins in your backyard. So I decided to run for city commissioner, which is the lowest level of government, but still, particularly in Miami, a pretty powerful one. Um, Miami is a city of almost half a million people, and there's only five commissioners, or I guess they'd be called councilmen in, in other places. Um, so so you do represent a significant constituency, right, almost over 100,000 people or almost 100,000 people. And uh, there's a lot happening because Miami is growing so fast and development is, is occurring where there is a, a chance to shape how that happens so that it takes into account a lot of the big challenges that we need to think for in a in a in a forward looking way, including how our city is gonna survive the existential threat of sea level rise and climate change, right? 
and how as Miami becomes more and more developed, we're going to tackle the issues of um, housing affordability and gentrification, which are popping up perhaps not as badly as, say, places like Southern California or the northeast of the United States, but are still are still significant issues, and just try to work to make life, life better for people. Um, the the district that I'm looking to represent is, is quite poor. Um, it actually has one of the highest in uh, one of the um, census tracts has one of the highest amount of food stamp recipients in all the state of Florida, so it's quite poor. Um, but people are proud, and people uh, are are very much uh, very happy to have come to this country. It's a very immigrant district, so have come to this country and been able to accomplish something, even if they don't have the wild success that maybe they dreamed of 30, 20 years ago when they first got here, that they were able to pick themselves up and work hard and and become something of themselves. And they've been forgotten a little bit by, by a lot of the, the system and a lot of the, the things that are moving forward. Um, so I'm looking to, number one, just activate people and carry a positive message that we deserve better than what we've been getting for a while. And people should be made aware of that. I think it's a pretty commonly understood phenomenon in social science and political science that when people live in an area that's that's poor, that's not thriving, that's economically depressed, right, as, as a district that I'm looking to, to represent this, they, they kind of just uh, get used to it and they get on with their lives and they have to fight their own battles and they have to put food the, on their table every day. So they don't really demand and they don't really feel like they're entitled to much, right? And a lot of what my campaign is doing is fighting that mentality and being like, we are all residents uh, of the city. We are all entitled to be treated the same and to get the basic services that we need and to um, be paid attention to, right, which is very, very important. Um, and then look forward to basically taking that and building uh, a base of leaders that can that can help me once I'm elected commissioner move forward and, and, and really take the, the district and the city to where it's got to be. Um, that's basically it. It's, it's, it's a question of basically going and energizing people, inspiring them, making sure that they understand that just because you might not have been paid attention or you might not have been given rights in, in the past, that doesn't mean that you don't have them. That means that you just haven't asked for them. And that's very important uh, for me to, to, to push forward. Well, let's get into that for a second. Um, I have an obvious uh, question that I'm going to bring to the table. Um, what are your thoughts on cannabis prohibition? And, um, you know, I know that Florida has passed some, some sort of laws, but, um, you know, generally speaking, all the laws that have been passed are fall way short of actually allowing the people to have access to this plant as they need and as they see fit. Um, it's usually extremely regulated, extremely controlled, and extremely limited and extremely taxed. Um, so what are your thoughts on that, and what are you prepared to do? So I, I'll answer the, the question of what I'm going to do first, and then I'll do a little recap of where the state is, of the, of the status of the state, because I know that a lot of your listeners are probably going to know this already. So I am fully supportive, first of all, in moving forward with what we have right now in the Constitution and making it so that patients can get 
access to their uh, medicine in terms of medical marijuana. And then once that's done, moving beyond that to, uh, uh, you know, basically ending prohibition because that's the wave of the future. That's what states are doing all over the country. And we have to get into the mindset of how we're going to work that and make that happen in a way that's equitable and and doesn't repeat a lot of the mistakes that a lot of other states have done and a lot of other cities have done. So let me, uh, what, now that I've told you my position, recap where we are. As you mentioned, the state of Florida has been just really weird about implementing, well, not even uh, decriminalization or ending prohibition, but even the medical marijuana allowances that have been voted by over 60% of the people in the state of Florida into the state constitution, right? We're not talking about a law that was passed narrowly or, like, something that moved here and there. It was a vote of the people of the state of Florida, and they voted overwhelmingly to to have medical marijuana. And yet the the state legislature has decided that they're not going to respect the will of the people, right? They're going to make it extremely difficult to have, uh, uh, the, the you know, the plant in plant form, right? They're only allowing it through certain extremely regulated companies and only – in in not in smokable form, which is insane, you know, that's definitely not what people voted for. Uh and they're they're playing games quite honestly. Even people that claim to be libertarians or claim to be for freedom are saying, Well, you know, what do we get if we allow it to be smokable and how do we make sure that our people get taken care of and via VR campaign donors can make money out of this? Which is a big problem as as you've seen in, in throughout the country in states that move forward on this is a lot of people just trying to restricted to make money uh, rather than, like, to, to take care of, of the people that voted to make it move forward. So that's on the on the medical marijuana side at the state level. In the city in the city level, it's quite shocking and outrageous because the city of Miami has taken an unusual position that they are simply not going to zone for marijuana dispensaries at all, right, which is against the state constitution now that the citizens have voted to amend it to allow medical marijuana, um, and obviously very regressive and and just kind of embarrassing. Um, the city attorney who is pushing against this went on the record making an argument, and believe it or not, this is, this is not me saying this, this is like the ridiculous argument that they made, that because marijuana was still... Uh, in their words, illegal at the federal level, um, if we, the city of Miami, were to zone and allow for a medical marijuana facility or a retail facility to open that sold marijuana, that they would be, it would be akin to the city allowing for a pedophilia center, right, for a place for people to come and have sex with children. That is actually something that came out of the mouth of a city attorney, wow. which kind of makes you wonder how they got their bar license, but there it is, you know, like, you know, they, they, it's just such a regressive and ridiculous reefer madness kind of argument that you wonder what the hell is going through their mind, but that's what they said. And it's unique, you know, the, the city of Miami has the unique distinction of, of being the only city that's taken this stance in the entire state of Florida, right? There's other cities that have done moratoriums, basically saying, oh, we don't know how, how putting up a retail center for cannabis is going to affect our um our city so we need to study it and whatnot which is allowed uh to a certain level right you can't use it as a delay tactic but you can study it and whatnot but 
but the the position of the city has been insane, and that is something that I definitely want to uh, want some city commissioners just basically take a vote to say no, we we cannot allow uh, this embarrassing view to stand, and we're going to move forward and zone and allow retail shops to occur. My my district happens to have in one corner of it kind of the research triangle of some of the um, uh, trauma level one trauma center hospitals and research hospitals. So it's 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 really shameful that we have you know these hospitals that are used as not just to treat to treat people across the, all of South Florida, but even internationally, right? Uh, and yet we don't have uh, we might not they might not have access to their medicine within the city of Miami because of this crazy position that the city attorney has taken. Uh, beyond that, uh, the ending prohibition itself will be a, a state matter. Uh, but I think that the city should definitely support it, it symbolically in whatever way they can, because it's going to be a significant boon to what's a tourist city and what is, uh, um, you know, a, a, an econ a, a place that could use the economic boost. And frankly, because it's the right thing to do. Um, now, what's going to be interesting is being able to take that conversation to a level that it is in places like New York, in places like California, where it's like, okay, now that we're moving towards ending prohibition or have moved towards ending prohibition, how do we do it in a way that, for example, uh, takes into account the fact that certain socioeconomic groups and racial groups have been completely targeted and affected by the drug war and to make sure that they're not left behind and, and you know, and victimized once more by by prohibition ending, right? Um, it's interesting. I mentioned I was a reporter working on certain financial issues a few years ago, one of the things I, I looked into and do, did a deep dive around 2011 when places like Arizona and Massachusetts were looking at beginning a license system for medical marijuana, it's just how they were so regulated and so taxed that it was increasingly becoming the, the business domain of the 1%, right? Uh, you literally needed to put down hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in um, which I'm sure your listeners know a lot about this. I'm, I don't want to go too deep into it, but you just need to put so much money to start a cannabis business uh, that was, uh, you know, not complete, not linked in any way to what starting the business uh, cost. It was just a, a barrier to entry that the government was forcing. That meant that only extremely wealthy people, and sometimes people that had no interest in in what the product was, um, were in the business, which is, is, is insane. It's not just, just not a good way to, to visualize this kind of stuff. So I, I hope that answers your, your question. I mean, I, I think that I don't know that there's going to be anyone that will be able to get elected in the next 10 or 20 years at the local level once people start seeing how much of a economic boom this is and how much the right this is the right thing to do. That uh, that we'll be able to take another any other position than this, hopefully. Uh, but again, it's kind of chicken or the egg. You need to have people push for that, so that people can see the positive effects that this has. So that so that you know that that becomes kind of the common sense thing to see. Well, I I appreciate your point of view, and um, if you, I, I hope you know that you get the opportunity to uh, step into that arena, and if you do, and you want help. Um, to create language uh, that will be clear and um, decisive. Um, I have that language, and I'm more than willing to help. Um, 
there are ways to do this, and unfortunately, it takes more common sense than political sense. It takes um, courage rather than um, the ability to you know, take advantage of a, of a political wave. Um, and if we can find enough people uh, that, that are willing to step up and demonstrate those things, um, it can be done. Um, my organization, the Human Solution International, is dedicated to staying in this until we're done. Um, and so, you know, until until we have a world where this plant is no longer a criminal act, um, there will be people out there advocating to to change those things. Um, so, uh, what? How are you running your campaign? How um, how are you getting? Uh, I see that you've got a link on here uh, to donate. So, um, why don't you? Uh, Put out your contact information yes. if somebody wants to help out, if somebody wants to uh, donate time, if there's anybody in Florida in the Miami area that wants to participate with your campaign, or I'm sure you can accept donations. Uh, tell us how we can do it. Absolutely. So my campaign website is my last name, Melendez, M-E-L-E-N-D-E-Z, for Miami. So that's M-E-L-E-N-D-E-Z, for Miami.com. Um, basically, we are taking donations there. Every little bit helps. This is going to be a unfortunately very expensive race. I'm budgeting something like uh, at least $150,000, and probably it's going to be closer to a quarter of a million dollars for this race. So, uh, with donations of everything from five, ten, fifty, two hundred, is, is we're kind of cobbling together the, the the stack to make sure that this happens. Um, so we have an Act Blue link on the website, and that can help. And if you want to help with policy advice, I, I, I'll take that. If you want to help with coming out and volunteer if you're in the Miami area, there's also places you, you can sign up to do that. And quite honestly, anything helps in terms of getting the message around and making sure that people understand that there is someone running in local office, that there is a crazy situation in the city of Miami that's unlike anywhere else in the state of Florida, uh, with uh, a city attorney just taking a very regressive view um, that, that, that <laughs> I don't know, I don't even, it's kind of embarrassing to say, like, how, how, how crazy it is, but, but it is there, and that there is someone that is talking about it and is, is going to be there on day one to, to push against that because that's needed. So, again, the website is Melendez, M-E-L-E-N-D-E-Z, for Miami.com. And um, I will. I that, the, the the end of the second fundraising period is actually tomorrow. They, we have to report every end of the month, and you know the more that we can get in there before then, the more we can show people that we have power and strength in numbers, and numbers, and off we go. Excellent. Well, I I appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, you know I'd like to to see anybody who's willing to step into the ring and and start swinging and. Um, you know, feel free to come come back as as you're getting closer to your campaign, um, really getting into it uh, to come and give us updates. Awesome. If someone, I was gonna say, I was thinking about it as I was talking to it. One cool thing would be if we can get a, a T-shirt or sticker going on, kind of a 1990s style skateboarding is not a crime stickers, but something like uh, smoking cannabis is not pedophilia. That that would be nice. That would that would really drive <laughs> the, the the message across. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Elazar, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. All right, folks, Elazar David Melendez running for uh, city commissioner of Miami. And, uh, 
You know, he had a lot of good things to say, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but more and more we're having more and more people stepping up into uh, political office. And we're a 501c3, so we can't endorse specifically candidates, but we can certainly give them a voice and we can educate people about their options and about the process and all of those things. So we're well within our rights to do that, and, um, you know, we, we, we're here to support us. We're here to support our rights and freedoms, and that's what this is about. Anybody have any questions about what the human solution is about, um, please pay attention because we're talking about it. Um, it shouldn't be hard to uh, get that elevator pitch today. Um, all right, so we've got some some updates, and uh, as I said, I, I had a bit of a wake-up call, and I'm, and I'm trying to uh, refine my efforts and make them a little more uh, focused and a little bit more pointed, and so I'm not so much looking for 100,000 people to come and raise their hands and then not do anything. I'm looking for one or two people to uh, tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm serious, let's do this, and actually step into the ring and have some ideas and be willing to do what you say. I am so fucking sick of people telling me what I should do and what they're going to do, and they're just talking and talking and talking and not doing anything. Um, there's always been a very small handful of, of people that have actually gotten the work done. And all day long, every day, wherever we are, whatever place we're at, it's just a couple of people really getting in and getting it done. And I can't help but think, what would it be like if we had a couple more and a couple more and a couple more people that were just actually dedicated, not just to sitting here listening and smoking and smiling and talking and, all oh, that's great. That's the freedom. That's the freedom that you're taking, whether it's ours or not. Good job. Take it. If everybody took it, we would have it. But we got enough people that aren't taking it, that aren't willing to stand up, and they're not. Because of that, we don't really have it. We could lose it at any second for any reason. And we keep having over and over historically, example after example after example, doesn't necessarily matter what the law says. And like uh, Elazar was talking about, in California, Especially, the only people that are really legal to do any of this are the people that have so much money they don't need to do it anyways. Most of the people that are grassroots people just trying to do a little mom-and-pop shop of whatever reason, whatever way, they're not legal entirely. They can't afford to be. So they're always taking a chance on some level or another. And, yeah, we've made some progress because the stakes are a little bit lower and they're not gunning for felony cases like they used to be in the same veracity as they used to, but nonetheless, they could and they can. And so, you know, this past year, especially since our last election, we've been pushing to build this A-team. And I'm, I'm really actually proud um, of the team that's been growing. You know, we've got our Central California chapter that's stepping up and they're, and they're, and they're committed. They're small but committed. We've got Kansas tearing it up. I am so proud of Kansas right now. It's little teeny chapter, but, man, these guys are just rocking it, just rocking it. And and it just takes every single one of us that's here. You know, Chris, I'm trying. That's what I want to hear. I'm trying. I can try. You know, I mean, I'm pardon my, my, my French today, but, I mean, you know, if you guys could see how many hundreds of hours I've spent talking on the phone and going into meetings and, and hearing people's stories and then only to find out at the end nobody did anything. 
um, I'm kind of like, wow, what if I could have that time back? Wouldn't that be nice, what I could do with it, you know? So I'm thinking to myself, maybe if enough of us are actually trying, and, yeah, you guys are. You guys are rocking it. We got we got Peggy and Glenn in Ohio fighting their own case, fighting for their own uh, health and freedom, and they're still out there doing it. We got Pete and Helen up in New York. You know, we got we got these little spots. We got the headquarters chapter down in SoCal. We got uh, Tom Corby and the NorCal folks. Hopefully we can... You know, get get some support for Steve Rayleigh's case, and uh, there's uh, you know not the same amount of cases and not, not the same kinds of cases, but the work is here, and there's a lot to be done. And if we could put our differences aside, and and decide to get together and and you know really put some, not just have another meeting, not just keep talking about stuff, but actually let's 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 set a plan and do it. Cause I got plans, and, and we're doing it. There's some of us are, and I'm and I'm encouraging you. Um, I'm imploring you. I'm asking. I'm begging. I'm bribe. Well, not so much bribing anymore. I really, those days are kind of old. But but I I I'm encouraging in every possible way. I'll I'll do what it can to make it happen if you're willing. So anybody who knows me knows that that's entirely true. Um. So what are we doing right now? Well, we're working on the website, and the website is um, its a real tool. It's not Facebook. It's not prone to all the pitfalls that Facebook is, but it has its own pitfalls because it's not social media and because not everybody is, is connected to it because you can't get likes and you can't stroke yourself and give yourself selfies on it. It, it doesn't get the same attention, but what it does is it has some real resources for real people getting together to do the real work. And it's growing and it's getting better all the time. So I want to talk about a few points on the website right now. Um, we've been blessed to have a number of sponsors that have, you know, donated to the Human Solution. And um, what I don't have is all of your contact information. So if you've sponsored the Human Solution, given a 50 or or $100 or more donation to the Human Solution, you're entitled to a mention on our sponsor page, and please give us your your uh, your information. Most of the sponsors on there right now have not donated to us. I don't even know why half of them are there. I mean, they support us, but uh, they're not actual sponsors. So let's turn this around and actually have have real sponsors on this. There are some. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, we're a team, and we've been. If you've been listening, you're noticing that more and more organizations are standing together. We've got that uh, Matt from two weeks ago, the veterans organization we've met, we're going to work together. Uh, we're finally going to be doing some veterans work. I'm excited about that. Um, and more and more other civil rights organizations are stepping up and are willing to lock arms and say, you know what, let's, let's stand together. We're stronger together. And, you know, when you look at historically when things changed, um, it took people with a plan and a willingness. Um, and not everybody that fought in the civil rights movement, not everybody that fought in the suffragette movement, the alcohol prohibition movement, the anti-war movements, all the different movements that we've had liked each other, you know. Uh, the, 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 the gay marriage movement, that was a huge, huge step forward. You think all those guys and women liked each other? No, but it 
is important enough to get it done. And they make us look bad every day. I, every single day I go, wow, you know, I, I wish I had something to do with that because I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't fight for that. It wasn't my thing. And I watch how well they did, and they they knocked it out of the park, and we're still sitting here holding our dicks. It's just kind of like, you know, when are we going to want it bad enough? When are we going to want it bad enough? And, and I think now is the perfect time. I think now is the perfect time. So um, a couple of things, and I, I brought this up before, so I'm going back to a couple of things that we started Messaging, education, and support is a big part of what we do. And little things, um, somebody came up with the idea of a bumper sticker. We've had bumper stickers in the past, but I'm going to say this once on the radio today. If you go onto our website, not everything works right. We're, we're working on it, but the Contact Us page does. And you go to About THSI, and you scroll down to Contact, and there's a contact. And there's also an email um, that you can just send a straight email to, thehumansolutioninternational at gmail.com. Go figure. Um, it works. If you send um, an idea for a bumper sticker, a graphic, um, uh, or even just a concept, let's get it together. I'm officially announcing a contest. I'm going to put together a nice package for the winner, but I'm not going to mention it anywhere else. Just here right now this one time. So, um Let's see what happens. Um, next up, this is, in my opinion, maybe one of the most exciting things we've had in a while. For the past three years, I've been reaching out, uh, trying to get people to submit footage and uh, videos and stills. And, um, you know, we have a 10-year history, and we've been all around the world. We've been all over the country. We've been in court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another one. We've been all over the place. We've done so many amazing things. <coughs> and if you go to our website or you go to our Facebook pages, you'd never know it. Um, and, you know, we've got videos here and there, and they're spread out so much, and there's so much content that it's not organized. It's all raw. And I finally have somebody with experience that's willing to um, put together a documentary feature out of our content that we have, and we have enough content to do a really good job, um, but we need to pull it together, so I'm going to just put it out there, um, you know, we've been featured in a number of documentaries, but we never did our own, we never did the story of the human solution, and I think if we did that, and we took it to a final message, you know, uh, Dee Dee Kirkwood took her play, and she made it into a movie, and at the very end of her movie, the she, she gives us a, a mention. And I think to myself, if we could take that even yet another step and, and show where we've been, who we are, what we've done, and where we're, who we are today and where we're going and, and have it be a call to action, I think it could be powerful. I think it might be the thing that could be the, the, the blasting cap that sets this thing off to finish the job. I'm confident that we are part of the solution, the end of prohibition. We are elemental in that, and we've, we've done enough work around the world. People know us and recognize us for who we are, the, the, the core, the, the, the lack of bullshit, really. You know, we've never wavered in 10 years. We've, we've always done 
what we said. We kept driving forward even when we were only a few deep um, or when we were thousands deep. We haven't changed. We haven't wavered, and we're not going to. We're going to continue on until we get this thing done. And I think um, I think this is important. So if you have any footage, still shots, um, video, going all the way back, anything that the Human Solutions ever been involved in or with, um, you know, please get it to us. Uh, you can either put it onto the website, like I just mentioned, thsintl.org, and you go to the contact button, uh, which we're going to have a direct button on the front page instead of being on a drop-down real, real soon, because I know Becca's listening because she's screening today. So I think that'll happen probably maybe even by tomorrow. Um, I know there's some people that have a lot of footage, and if you know any of those people, um, Laura, I know you got footage because I know you published some of it, so I want your stuff. Um, and uh, Steve and Maria Green, I don't know if any of you have been in contact with them recently. They're from Michigan. Um, but we supported their case um, ardently for a while, and they ended up being victorious. And at one point we had, I don't know, five or six chapters in Michigan. Um, but, you know, things happen, whatever. But meanwhile, I know that there's a lot of, good footage from work that we've done in Michigan. So if anybody knows any of the Michiganders, um, any of the, uh, anybody knows Steve and Maria Green, um, if you can reach out. I have reached out. I've been told we're going to get stuff, but nothing ever came. Also, there's a guy named Sam Sabsahar um, in Orange County, or that's where he was. Same thing, he shot a ton of footage during my trial and in some of the other work we did, and um, I was told I could get it, but never got it. Jessica Lux is another one who shot a ton of footage, um, and I haven't talked to her in a long time. So those are three people I know that have a ton of footage. Um, I have a lot of Steve Baker's footage already, so um, hopefully that's still in our Flickr account. But meanwhile, um, I think that's a huge thing. I think it's a, it's a huge opportunity. Um, I think it's part of our future, and it's something that I'm going to start spending uh, quite a bit of time on. So I'm encouraging you, if you have ever been in, involved with the human solution or you've ever been to an event or in any way been touched by it and you have some footage, please include it so we can tell an accurate historic, historical story about this amazing organization. And I, I've been part of a lot of organizations um, in a lot of different ways, nonprofits, uh, churches, uh, spiritual groups, uh, scientists groups, doctors groups, every kind of thing I've been part of. I've never seen anything with this kind of heart. I haven't. Not that that really has this kind of heart. So, um, worthy of telling the story, folks. Worthy of telling the story. Um, and, and, Chris, I appreciate that. You know, it's it's my goal to be inspiring if I can, um, but I gain inspiration from you guys. You know, I mean, I got whatever. I'm a, I'm a freak, okay? I can't. I can't not fight for freedom. It's just what I got. But when I see you guys standing up, that's what lights my fire. That kicks in my afterburners. That gets me driven, and it gets me wanting to really take it home. Because, you know, it's one thing to care. It's one thing to fight. But you can give it this much. But when I see the others, people standing up going, yeah, you know what, I'm in, it lights a fire on me, and it, trust me, it, it brings out a beast. So... Um, you know, let's bring the monsters home and let's make this happen. All right, 
we got 20 minutes left of the show, and um, George Martorano was going to call in, but it's late over there, and yes, we are going to finish this. Um, so we're going to go to Tom Corby, and uh, we're just going to wrap it up. I, I think I'm going to hold off on that little guided meditation right now. I'm kind of tired right now. I'm dealing with some shit, and I'm uh, a little tired. All right, let's see what Tom Corby has to say. We'll do that next week for sure, though. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, thank you, Joe. Uh, hanging in there. Uh, most folks know that Don and I have both been in the hospital, and we want to thank everybody for all the support. I always want to thank all those on the front line, Joe and Mary, Becca, Lisa, uh, coming together and trans prohibition. Uh, I want to thank you, Joe, again, uh, for your awesome salves and products. Uh, I just see my batteries getting low. I'm going to plug it in. hope I can make it. Uh, <laughs> Do it. Donna's Don due home Friday. Uh, we <laughs> actually have a hot. Yeah, and she's uh, improved considerably. I, I have two thanks. To, to your salves, to your meds you're sending. Anything <clears throat> I can I, do, man. I'm having a little fever thing here. I'm going to cut the chase. I want to compliment, actually, Steve Rayley. Uh Where have all the people gone? Steve Rayley actually, back when, if you remember, Joe, three or four years ago, he did come for court support. And yeah. he is doing the rest of me this morning. He wrote a song. <laughs> I get my breath here. He texted me this morning and wanted to mention come up for court support. I did tell him that. I've got to get my breath here. I did tell him that we have to have priorities. And uh, but he understood. Take a minute. I think up and fast this. Uh, I want to stress right here. Uh, that we always say that we have to save uh, court support for priorities. And uh, I don't have a plug in. My phone's almost on here. Uh, and he did file the injunction lawsuit. That's what the hearing's about. Also, uh, I want to say right here, when we talk about people coming for me, the court support and uh, Gordy Dice, of course, you know who Doherty Dice says up in paradise. He got burned out in the fire, and uh, we're going for his celebration of life this Saturday uh, for Gordy Dice. Uh, so, Frank Nance here today. He'd like to say a couple words to get my breath. Go ahead, Frank. How's it going, Joe? Hey, Frank. How's it going? Good to, good to hear from you. Ah, me too. Things are going good. Uh, Donna comes I like uh, picked on Friday at 11 a.m. And uh, yesterday I got I got her a hospital bed, a wheelchair, <laughs> a, a chair for the shower, and I got her a right. floor hole today. And then we want to thank Tova Love. She also lost her home. She's uh, uh, Rocky Flowers' mom, uh, Alex Lyons. He's on. He's listening today. Uh, 
she's still moved, moved in here with her trailer. She's going to help Frank with Donna downstairs. You know that, Joe? And, uh, okay. She also got he got all his hospital equipment for us. So we want to thank yeah, yeah. all the clients also. All their support, Dr. David Allen. Uh, he's uh, on, his, on the road back to Mississippi. He's going <laughs> to try to go back and save save his property there in Mississippi. Uh, we talk wow. about what to uh, don't forget to breathe, Tom. And uh, I'm having a yeah, fever. I'm exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thank you all today, and uh, Frank and Ann. Without Frank, I don't know what we do here. And uh, come join us and help you the solution and prohibition. And don't forget to breathe. Thank you all today, Joe. Come see us. All right, Tom. Thank you so much. It looks like George is joining us here because I happen to recognize his phone number. So, Tom, I'll talk to you very soon. And we got George Martorano. Um, for anybody who was with me last week, uh, um, we did our show live from the Hip Hemp Cafe in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, George told us about uh, his story and about the, uh, the the amazing well that's on his property and the and the cafe and and the work we're doing. George, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hello, George. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. How are you feeling? <laughs> You, I'm feeling better. I'm a little tired. I'm gonna I'm gonna knock off a couple minutes early today. I still still kind of working through this one. Okay, as long as you're okay. I know you had a little accident. Every year you have an accident, Joe. You gotta. I know February's not yeah. my day. Oh shoot! I am so sorry. I got David Abel on too. David, we will get to you today. I apologize. I totally apologize. Yeah, George. Last February, I I, I fell out of a tree with the chainsaw in my hand, and I blew out my knees and I was out for a couple of months now this I, I just said tomorrow's right. the last day of February and I'll be glad to see it gone. We'll we'll, we'll get into March. <laughs> well I want to say hi, hi to my West Coast family, uh uh Liz out there and everyone else and uh and D.D. Kurtwood and uh and uh there's just so many out there. Mary Mary Connor out there in San Diego area. When she miss you all over there soon. Top here, I've seen more articles are coming out about the Hip Hem Cafe, but uh, oh, yeah. the, you know the popularity is uh, is good because the articles say we're helping others. We're helping so many others now. Since I had this major major, uh, the, the, we went viral. We went viral close to four times. And uh, and it's continuing, but it's it's the more popular my hip hemp cafe is getting, the more people are coming out of the woodwork for help. You can't imagine how I mean, how many days, I mean just so many ill people, so many people. I'm so happy because when I first came home from prison, Philadelphia was obscure, didn't know anything about CBDs, and now through my uh, my operation, the hip hemp cafe, my creation. So many people are getting help, and I'm so proud of that. So proud of that. Well, it's an so. impressive uh, place. I was I was fortunate enough to spend a couple of days there last week, and uh, you guys have just done an amazing job. And you got a a good knowledgeable team. That was what impressed me maybe more than everything was, uh, you know, your your team there knows knows the products and they know uh, about CBD and they know um, you know when people come in. Uh, they're compassionate. They're not just uh, 
trying to upsell them on the latest next thing. They're, they listen to them. They ask them what their condition is, and, and they're careful because, you know, you got to be careful giving that kind of advice. But, they, uh, you know, I was, I was very impressed with what I saw. You guys are doing a great job out there. Well, like I said, we're hoping to have more hemp cafes. It's not about me. It's about helping others. Uh, incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, Joe flew all in from the West Coast to consult and, and show us what we were doing right and what we need to do better. So uh, there's not everyone that does that, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a guy that flew all the way in from the West Coast uh, to our shop here in Philly, uh, which we're helping many others. So, you know, once you understand what kind of guy's hosting the show, he's a good man, a very good man. I want to thank you, Joe, from the bottom of my heart. Well, George, uh, you, you are, uh, it's an honor to be uh, your friend and, and your uh, your ally and your brother, and uh, I'm, I'm just so tickled that this is starting to go and that you're you're getting that, uh, that that new start. That's what we talked about a year ago, and I'm, I'm so proud to see it happen. Well, I, what I, well, since we got all the publicity, what I like recently, we're getting a lot of professionals coming. And and really uh, and really uh, opening up their uh, their their heart and their mind and their situation. We get a lot of professionals coming and saying they need TBDs in their life for this or that matter, which is important because you know these professionals have a lot of, especially if they're attorneys or doctors, they have people in their life that they have to they have to care for. So they you can't do that if you're not you're not in the right situation. So. I just want to share that. So many professionals are coming now. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, we're gaining on it. We've got to just keep pushing and keep doing it right and keep doing it over and over. And right. as more people experience it, you just right. can't deny it anymore. We're bringing it out. All right. So, listen, we went we went a long way, me and you, Joe. And uh, can you imagine where we're going to be another year? Another year from now, I so I want to share that with everyone. I know you're short for time. Love everybody there on the West Coast. All right. Thank you so much. George Mark Toronto, folks. All right. Thank I, you. Thank uh, you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Joe. Thanks, George. All right. So I apologize. I got David Abel from Kansas, um, and David's been a guest on our show many, many times. Um, and I, like I said, I'm a little loopy right now. I conked my head pretty good uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, – I'm uh, I'm doing my best. <laughs> Anyways, David, I apologize for uh, for looking right past you, but here you are. You got uh, a few minutes left. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing better than your head. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, yes, you are. I got some news today. I got some news today on uh, the veterans' first bill that they try they're trying to sneak past us here in Kansas. It's a bad bill. They're trying to use veterans to pass this bad bill. Um, it has things in it like if your doctor don't approve and you have to switch doctors, you have to have a relationship with the new doctor for two years before he can recommend. Oh, my God. What the hell is that? Yeah. You know, you can get a major surgery on a moment's notice with the right recommendation. You can have an organ removed and, and replaced, and you're telling me you can't have a recommendation for one of the safest substances on the planet without a two-year relationship. You tell me the sense in that. There is no sense in that. I have cancer. It just came back recently. 
and uh, was in surgery on the 10th of January, uh, got out of the hospital on the 11th, and was in Topeka, which is a three-hour drive, on the 15th. And I'm doing this on a shoestring, so to speak. I only get 9.41 a month, and after I pay my bills, I don't have much left. So for people wow. to tell me, oh, I, I can't go, I, I, you know, this, that, I don't have the money. Hey, there's rides out there. You can get a ride to the, to your state capital to fight for this. There's yeah, groups. there's always and that's you know what, David, that's part of what building this team is all about. You know, there's 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 always people. There's every kind of person. You see, there's some people that have a little extra dough. There's some people that have a that have a car. There's some people that have a little extra time, and there's some people. You know that that have certain talent. If everybody just came together and brought what they have, nobody'd be needing for anything. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do: is build this team where, no matter where you are, no matter what you need, if it has to do with coming together to finish this job and end prohibition, I can say, sure, we got that. Why? Because we put it together. The right people came together, and they're willing to do it. Well, I, I went there to fight for our bill, the KSAA. Kansas Safe Access Act that we've been five years working on to get it through. And they're going to sneak, try to sneak through this corporate piece of crap that uh, you had a gentleman on that's running for office down in Florida. And mm -hmm. it, this is pure corporate cronyism. They have it set so only the rich, the people that's got a lot of money is going to get involved. And if they don't want you in it, they got so many uh, bureaucratic functions in it, they can out you at any time. And it will be after you put forth, uh, uh, I think it's like $105,000. Yeah, yeah. Between the licensing fees and the bonding. And you don't oh, get yeah. your bond back if they out you. Right. And, and they'll probably wait until you start a grow and out you during the grow. And not tell you, and since the cops are arrest you because they revoked your license. Oh, I know, I know, and and you got people celebrating that as a victory. Oh, <laughs> uh, help! <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's how I found out about it. Somebody I know that's uh, in the CBD CBD market uh, here in Kansas. We're sitting there dancing on the computer here. Saying, hey, they're going to they, uh, bless this bill. It's going to get a hearing. And I'm like, which bill did they bless? And he told me, I'm, oh, my God, that's the worst bill. I'm a, I'm, I'm a veteran. It's going uh, to take some bold action from some bold people, and hopefully we can keep pushing and pushing and pushing. The good news is, David, and, I, and, and this is something that's been brought up a few times, is that the conversation, you know, Craig Cecil keeps bringing it up. One of the one of the good things that's coming out of this is that the conversation isn't taboo anymore. You know, 20, 30, 50 years ago, if you want to talk about ending cannabis prohibition, you'd have to be in a pretty safe place to do that because yeah. it wasn't a conversation people were having. And so now... Uh, um, I have to stay in that safe place. I live next door to the sheriff. 
<laughs> I don't know if I'd consider that a safe place where I stand, but... No, uh, no, maybe. I mean, my being a safe place is I don't have none here. Yeah, I yeah, I hear you. I can't. Well, anyways, I appreciate you bringing attention to this lousy bill, and, uh, you know, um, it, 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 it sickens me to see that veterans are being used to further really bad legislation and people are falling for it and I'm hoping you know in working with this new veterans group that we're working with that we can bring attention and that's part of their mission is to bring awareness and attention uh, let people know what you know what they're celebrating what what's being brought out in their name and what it means you know if, I think if people understood a little more about these details that you brought out two-year relationship with the doctor before you can get a recommendation i mean what possible sense is that where who 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 came up with that as a good idea and why did one other person say that that's a good idea too and and right. why are we doing nothing about it so i think that you know we're opening the discussion we keep talking about it we keep bringing it up when it happens um but we just need more we need more people willing to get creative and, you know, let's bring a real plan to action. What are we going to do about it? That's what I want to hear from you guys. What are we going to do about it? The problems are prevalent. Where's the solution? We're the solution. We are the human solution, and we're here to make the difference. We're here to make the change. And, uh, David, I appreciate everything you're doing. One last thing. I posted the two PDFs, the Kansas Safe Access Act and uh, uh, Veterans First Bills. And Lisa Woodridge's feed on this, on your uh, live feed. Excellent, excellent. So if you want to look them over and compare them. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. And um, feel free, you can post those on my public figure page, too, if you want. And I'll make sure they stay up there for a little while. So um, just I appreciate uh, that you're taking the time and effort to fight this while you're busy fighting your own personal health issues. And you know what? I don't know why. I don't know how. But the people that are suffering the most, the people that have the least to give, generally speaking, are the ones that give the most. I just can't help but wonder what would it be like if the ones that had more to give gave more. I just think we could kick its ass real easy. So thank you, David. I appreciate everything you're doing. And uh, we're down to the short strokes of this, so I think we're going to wrap it up. Okay, you have a good night. All right, thank you so much. David Abel from Kansas. And uh, I am just so pleased and proud with all the good effort coming out of Kansas. Um, and just remember, it's not going to be over until it's over. Um, I'll paint that picture next week about what it will look like when it's over. Um, it's a good place. Imagine a world where you didn't have to be afraid. Imagine a world where you could have look out your window and see and and not have to be afraid. Imagine you could go to somebody's little shop and not have to worry about it getting raided. Imagine going to somebody who knew how to make medicine and not having to worry about losing it and, and, and having it available to you at a reasonable price. Imagine being able to afford it because it was all over the place and not having to worry about paying exorbitant taxes or all these ridiculous regulations. Imagine being able to drive around with it wherever you wanted to go. Imagine being able to take it wherever it needed to be. Imagine those things without the fear I don't know. I think we can do it. All right, folks, that's it for the week. Uh, We'll come back next week. We're going to do it for an hour next week, and we'll see what happens. 
I've said that before, but uh, Willie Nelson's got a thing or two to say. And uh... Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done. You were always 